Good morning, good people. It's good show. On Sports F5, I'm not a fan. And I come bearing not just good news, great news. For all the complainers out there, including Ben Ennis, the Blue Jays are on Sportsnet today oh, at wow. 1 o'clock. Yeah, buddy. Hey. So... You got what you wished for, people. Now you have to watch the whole game. That's right. Tis what tis the agreement. <laughs> You've complained enough about a lack of spring training games and access to them. Now you have to watch Jonathan Davis, mm-hmm. Joe Panic, Santiago Espinal, Josh Palacios, oh, yeah. and Tyler White as DH. Do you know who Tyler <laughs> White is, Ben? Have yeah, you ever heard former, of Tyler White? He's a former Astro. Uh, oh, okay, of I course did. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want people's receipts. So don't yeah. show us. Okay, take a screenshot yeah. of yourself not watching the first pitch. Yeah. But I want to see people in front of their televisions on a beautiful day in which mm-hmm. it's 10 degrees and Friday. sunny. <laughs> on a Friday, on the last day of fraudulent spring, because we're going back to kind of late yeah. winter, real mm-hmm. March, what's happening next week. But this is the last day of our fake, fake spring. Oh, I want fake people- spring is great, though. Yeah, I, I would contend fake spring is better than real spring. Mm. Uh, okay, we can have that debate. I'm not prepared to have it right now. I need to really okay. think about it. But yeah, it's, it's okay, like I'm sure. not gonna. What I'm gonna push back on fake spring? I've no, loved fake spring. Fake spring. Here's yeah. the thing. I tried to go to a patio the other day during fake spring. Oh, they were don't jammed. Don't say that. Up. I live in Toronto. I live in Toronto. Don't I know. say that. You poor boy. You no, poor, it's, it makes a lot boy. of sense that I can't be outside and have a beer. It makes a lot oh, of sense. You poor little boy. But, yeah, no, they were jammed up. Uh, so, yeah, fake spring. It's a Friday. Uh, I want these people at 3.30 this afternoon during <laughs> the seventh inning of yeah. – who are they even playing today in spring? Uh, who cares? It's uh, irrelevant. Know, the, one of the Tigers, the Pirates, the Yankees, yeah. Yeah, or I think it the might Phillies. Be Pirates. Who yeah, cares? Okay, great. It's, again, it's irrelevant. <laughs> are you trying to see who the Phillies – Backup second baseman is. Otherwise, who cares? What, what? Yeah, you're so, right. Sixth inning. Yeah, sixth, seventh inning. Take a picture of yourself in front of your television in your basement watching this thing. Because yeah. I need receipts from these people. Yeah. Okay? I need it. Because yeah. it won't be me. I'll watch the first couple innings if I have oh, time. so I. Well, here's why you will. And now this is the reason to watch it. One is Vlad is in the lineup, and he smoked a bomb yesterday. I think he was three of three. Three. So, Three exit velocities over 100 miles an hour for him yesterday. Yeah. So you're watching because Vlad is hot. There might be some placata. And, yeah, I just think that you want to see him swing the bat right now. But the real reason is Thomas Hatch is starting. And if you're Ben Ennis and you're in the Thomas Hatch club, mm-hmm. or as you want to say, hatch the egg, as I don't Sam that. McKee patented. No. <laughs> no, I... He says when, when Thomas Hatch would come out of the bullpen or he would want him to come out of the bullpen, he would scream, hatch the egg. It's oh, time so to hatch he... the egg. Uh, I, it was a good... I, I've never said that. I think that's yeah. if you're going to use his name in a wordplay, I would say, open the hatch. I like that. It's, uh, hey, tweet us. What do you like more, hatch the egg or hashtag? Uh, open well, the I hatch. Forgot. Open the hatch. <laughs> I think hatch the egg is catching. Nope, I'm only down one. <laughs> but anyway, you want to watch Thomas Hatch. I'll yes. watch Thomas Hatch. It is on Sportsman at 1 o'clock. But, yeah, let's see some receipts if they go into the seventh inning. If Charlie does the opt-in for 
uh, those seventh and ninth innings. You, man, imagine the pressure managers must feel right oh now. Yeah. When the players want to <laughs> shut it down and all these guys are in Florida and they want to go have a beer now and they're playing these meaningless baseball games day after day and they look over at Charlie and he says, nine innings today. It's just, no, no, Charlie, no, please, no, no, no. Have they played one nine-inning game? No. That must no, be nuts. If a manager said play nine innings, why wouldn't they have a revolt right now? I don't know. I actually don't think they can play nine innings now. I think it's the 15th where they're allowed to play. They have to play at least seven, and they can play as many yeah. as nine. Now they can play as few as five, but ha- yeah. I, I, as many as seven. But who has – this may sound like an exaggeration, but I don't think it is. Who has more pressure on their decision-making? Charlie Montoyo deciding whether to play seven or nine innings or yeah. the commander of a nuclear submarine getting ready to turn <laughs> the key <Yeah. laughs> and start a nuclear yeah. war, you know? Yeah. Think about it. Who's more likely to have an intervention at their place of work from <laughs> a subordinate? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a mutiny. Yeah, exactly. So what a game last night. Oh, loved it. That was one of the most entertaining games of the Leafs season. And my attitude from yesterday of and the day before of, hey, I don't care the Leafs lost that game to the Jets. My thought yesterday about I was curious to see what the reaction would be if Toronto lost their fourth straight and two to Winnipeg. It was very clear to me during that game there was real pressure. There was real pressure for the Leafs to win that game. You could tell not just from the team and the way that they played the game, but the way I felt watching it, and I think other people were consuming it as well. All of a sudden, once Connor Hellebuck started very hot and the Jets were as opportunistic as they were and, quite frankly, buzzing pretty early, and then the Leafs shut them down, but they looked really good. There was a real sense of, oh, boy, these guys might be closer to the Leafs than we thought. And all of a sudden, losing four straight, there would be a little bit of a reckoning with this group. And I got a lot of thoughts out of this game, but this is the number one. The Jets now are clearly in the driver's seat when it comes to the team to challenge the Leafs. It's no longer Montreal. We'll see that maybe down the line. But the Jets are the scariest team that Toronto could face. But primarily, that is because they have Connor Hellebuck. Yes. We knew that already, sort of. Hey, this guy was the Vesna winner. Hey, this guy's really, really good. But you don't see it on a regular basis. And this is one of the cool things about the North Division. You get to see it back-to-back nights. And when someone puts together that, and when it was clearly in Toronto's head for stretches of that game, you could just feel that that nervousness start to build a little bit, knowing that guy was in net and playing the way that he was playing. So not only that, not only can we, yeah, all right, it's one thing to look at the hockey reference page and to watch the occasional Jets game a season ago during his Vesna campaign, and it's quite another to see him for a couple straight. This also has not been the story of his season so far. Came in with like a 908 yeah. save, and now right. his save percentage against the Toronto Maple Leafs is nine, it's like over 940. It's It's nuts. And I'm with you that they're the second-best team in the North Division and the team that, yeah, you're, you're most worried about facing in a playoff series for that very reason that the, the guy played like prime Dominic Hasek basically for these first mm-hmm. two games. But it took that, right? I, I wrote yesterday on Twitter that 
what's true now is the Maple Leafs have dominated the Jets in two of the three meetings this season. You can make the argument they've dominated all three. I can't, it's hard for me to say that they dominated the middle game of the three because they lost that game. But, yeah, man, they controlled the bulk of the play, and it was a one-goal game because Austin Matthews scores at the end. They're the biggest challenger to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I still think there's a, there's a pretty big gap in play between the two, and they need that guy, their biggest advantage, and we did the matchups yesterday leading into this game, that they have the checkmark and goal. They need that to be their advantage. Yeah, obviously. And there's, there's two things that make them scary, though. One is they clearly have the goalie who can play the best in the division. They got the best one. That's always terrifying in a playoff series. But the other part of it is their top six is spooky. It has a lot of talent. And when yes. you make mistakes, yep. they're going to be able to take advantage of them. And you saw that in last night's game where, oh, you have a bad turnover. You have a bad cool. pinch. Yep, you're going to end up with the puck in the back of your net. And it was kind of why... I thought it was so silly everyone was focused on Freddie Anderson and what he wasn't doing because now I would I would contend now over the two games they've played, find me the one goal that you have a problem with and expand your reasoning beyond whatever weird save percentage take you have. Because again, you mentioned it. Connor Hellebuck had a very similar save percentage going into this series. The goals that Toronto has given up have almost exclusively I don't I I think they have exclusively come off of bad mistakes. Yeah. Dermot awful turnover, Hall awful pinch, mm-hmm. power plays. It's just it's bad decision after bad decision and real nice jets opportunity after real nice jets opportunity. So it's kind of the one thing they have to be aware of going into this series as well is hey, um it's gotta be super tight. And, and that was the most encouraging thing from this game, I thought. The most encouraging thing from this game was after Toronto gave up the second goal, they went into that lockdown mode. Because one of the questions I want to ask Merrick today, and I guess I'll ask you too, is with the level of competition, I'm not sure if the Leafs D is as good as we thought they are. They're starting to see a little bit more slippage and some cracks, specifically with Hall and Dermott. And with what Morgan Riley does on a nightly basis, which is gives up pretty big opportunities with some of the decision-making. And I think the team defense is great. I think the blue line is very good and obviously very, very much improved from a season ago. But it hasn't quite been what we saw earlier in the year. And if you... It really depends on how you feel about the way that they they slowed down Edmonton. But a lot of that, again, was the line deployment that they used against the McDavid group. So I guess I'm just not as bullish about the Leafs' D as I once was. Well, it was <clears throat> it was a little bit of getting the bends, right, compared to what we've seen on that blue line the last couple of years with the Cody Ceces of the world and seeing what they right. can trot out there this year. It's quite a different thing to have Zach Bogosian and, and Travis Dermott playing 10, 11, 12 minutes on the third pairing and having TJ Brody patrol the, the top pairing and Justin Hall's emergence. So, yeah, are they the, the best six defensemen in the National Hockey League? No. I don't know if anyone was ever making the case. I think overall the team defense has been the story. I, I was making the case. 
Oh, you were? Okay, well then... Not really, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I thought they were very good and much improved, and I think the story of the season had been, and that's why it stood out over these couple of games, really the, the whole losing streak, because it's not that they were playing poorly. Every mistake was going into their net, so that's and, and I I get it when people talk about needing a save and that's not always the case is that every mistake ends up in your net but they those were mistakes they weren't making early on in the season mm-hmm. I think the D is going through it a little bit right now I still think they're mm-hmm. like you said much improved from a, a year ago I yeah I wouldn't put them the best unit on this team is its top end scoring and we saw it last night the D is more than adequate and certainly above average. And if you have that type of top-end scoring, that's all you need. It's like the Jays with their starting staff. You just need average starting pitching with the way that offense is supposed to look. Maple Leafs need average to slightly above average defense pairings and pair that with the incredible top-end talent, and you've got a first-place team, which they have. Right. So... Obviously, the Oilers series was their best series of the season. I thought that was, in a way, their most impressive win. It's either that or Game 2 against Edmonton. But the reason why I really liked last night's was for the reasons we stated. Their goalie was unbelievably hot. And it rem- that game reminded me so much of the Columbus series. It, mm-hmm. it really did. Where Toronto was just going and going and, and having just major opportunity with that stacked first line and they could not buy one because of Columbus's goaltending and it didn't matter who Columbus had in net Corpusalo or, or, or Merzlikens both guys played great and Toronto at times looked a little rushed in that series against Columbus if you look back at it there's moments where I think uh, you when you watch a team facing a super hot goalie who's just coming up with incredible save after incredible save and then there's even moments where Nylander gets stuffed on the one and then he bats it out of the air it wouldn't have been a high sticking it's a beautiful play by him yeah. uh, but it just rolls that two inches where it, it's, it's not that's not Hellebuck that's just bad luck where it goes over the crossbar and you're thinking man that stinks and everybody looked like for a, a moment or two that they were either shooting just a little too quickly or making a play a little too fast because you're hoping to just jam it past the goalie just get, get some on net Let's just keep firing pucks on this guy. Let's just get them towards the net. Let's hope he makes a mistake. It did pay off because that's the the Ilya Mikheyev goal, essentially. He just gets it on net very, very quickly, and it's not a hard shot. It's not a good shot, but it makes its way through. Eventually, you, you find one. But they started to be a little bit more patient, uh, I thought anyways, once they tied the game. And they overcame twice the being behind, and then also finding a way. I know it's overtime, and that's not going to be the case in the playoffs. The Matthews goal was, oh, I, I made I, out I, a noise. I fell out of my bed. I, I was not kidding yeah. when I said I, I I fell out of my bed, and my wife was, like, drifting off to sleep. And she's like, what yeah. happened? And I literally, like, fell out of yeah. the bed. I made a noise that was something like, oh, whoa, oh. <laughs> Oh, that was by myself. Listen, there should have been Sorry. a warning I, before you. I was. Oh, I don't need to have that in my memory. All I know is it invoked <laughs> a very visceral reaction from me. And yeah, I love when there's a goal that beautiful when the phone blows up. But either way, I thought that. We've done this thing about toughness over and over and over again with this team. Is this team tough? Is this team tough? Is this team tough? That is toughness. Sticking with it, not fading away, 
making sure that once you make a mistake, you don't let the same mistake happen again, and persevering with the way that you play. So if you're looking for fights as toughness or whether or not they, they get in a scrum after someone bumps Freddie Anderson, I want those things too. But that to me was exactly what you're looking for from this group when we're looking for things like maturity and toughness, the two buzzwords coming into this season. It's, it cannot be overstated, that toughness, because mm-hmm. you, for the first time in the Sheldon Keefe tenure, have lost three in a row in regulation, and it's happening during the season in, with, in which people are just uh, dying for an opportunity to, to tell you you're not as good as your newspaper clippings have portended that you are. And you're trailing in a game against the, the Vesna defending Vesna champion. You're playing maybe one of your best offensive games in weeks and weeks and weeks, and William Nylander's having this incredible game even before the goal, and you can't score. And then you do score, and then you take the lead, and then you give it up again in the final couple of minutes on a deflected goal with a six-on-five. The, 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 the toughness, you can call it toughness, you can call it intestinal fortitude, you can, you can talk about the mentality that it takes... And you're right. It, it, it's, it felt so much like game after game in that Columbus series to, to not get frustrated, to not, as I mentioned yesterday, get outside of your thing that has made you so good this season, being patient, not giving up odd man rushes because you're throwing everything into your offense to stick with it and to be rewarded with a victory. I felt the same way. So, yeah, great win for the Leafs. Important win for the Leafs. More important in the moment, it felt, than leading into the game. And maybe it was because yesterday we were so focused on the anniversary of the Rudy Gobert game or whatever, but it it felt bigger when they went down 2-1 to me. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh boy, this is... This doesn't feel very good for them. This feels like it could be a problem. A couple of other quick notes from it. One is obviously Tavares and Nylander have started to figure it out. Uh, I would say. Uh, the Tavares setup on the game-tying goal was better than the Matthews finish. And I should have had the same reaction to it because it was awesome. And Nylander all night. I'm tell- I've, I've said this already. I said it was born on Monday, and it's now continued through to Friday. I think this is the longest stretch of Nylander's career where he's played this way where it's been game-in, game-out consistency from him. And it does coincide with the Sheldon Keefe, hey, this guy has to realize why people view him this way. That part of it is on William Nylander. It's one thing when it's in the media. It's one thing when it's on a Twitter debate. It's another when your head coach says, hey, there's reasons why you're the debated guy. So figure it out. And since then, he's been spectacular. And last night, same thing, where you're watching him and he feels as though he is the second most threatening guy to score behind Matthews. Um, They've been incredible. The other note, Hyman up on the top line. It felt like the Columbus series again in that the top line was so dominant. You're caving them in when they're on the ice. Hyman, Marner, Matthews. But you're getting that from Hyman, not John Tavares. That's what going out and getting a really good third center does for you. It frees you up to do that and not ask Zach Hyman to drive the third line. 
or just to be able to flip back and forth between the two options. Because in a game where Toronto was really struggling to score and they were facing a red-hot goaltender, which is what can happen in the postseason, that's what you're going to want to do. And Sheldon Keefe's already proven that that's the idea or that's one of his philosophies. He believes when you're struggling to score, put your best guys together. And with Thornton getting bumped down to line two, I I kept feeling the same way about what they're going to add, which is the third line played well. Mikheyev gets the goal. I thought Engvall was good again, but you're still trying to add someone to that line. I, I know that top six forward, someone else, like I mentioned Philip Forsberg, clearly that's your number one priority. But if you can just find a way to get another guy who can drive a line on that third line that frees you up to put Hyman up top, I, I think it's critical. I, I really do. It really felt like he, there were times, and it was not into the third period when they were chasing the game that Hyman was playing on that top line. Like, they were doing it in the first period. And no, it felt they like were, he yeah. Was, he was dominating. He was, he, but he was getting double shifted, too, because he was going yeah. out there with the Matthews line. There would be the, the Tavares line. Then he would come back out there with, with McKayev. And how can you argue with the way he's playing right now? I, I don't think you can. Actually, it's funny because someone tried to argue with me when we did the thing about how he's oh, so twice he as valuable as Alex Kerfoot. Someone brought up to me, but the gar of the two of them yeah. over the last... I, I thought to myself, this is the most nuts thing you can possibly say. Uh, please, please don't pick this battle. This is a wild battle. He's he's one of their best players right now, and it's just proving night in, night out. And yeah, good players get better when they play with those like that type of talent, Matthews and Marner. But I, I really did think there were some shifts where Hyman was just dominant. Um and yeah, I'm just very happy for our boy Mikheyev, who uh, mm-hmm. may have broken the curse. If you break the curse like that, of course that's how he scores, right? He's got all these A1 opportunities, and then he kind of flutters a soft wrister onto the hottest goalie on the planet, and it just find, it has eyes and it finds its way in. Anyway, playoff-style win for the Leafs, some ramping down of the pressure, but I think it will feel like a really big game on Saturday night. Hey, who comes out on top? The Jets right now, can you get the regulation win and make it the 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 true win for the Leafs? We'll see. But this is the best rivalry in the division right now. Our next guest loves TJ Brody so much, that's what he named his children, TJ and Brody. It's Jeff Merrick of Hockey Central, the NHL on Sportsnet. What's up, Jeff? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I am well. If you could choose one athlete to uh, name your children after, what would you choose? Because mm. well, I obviously, you know, I obviously went with which at, at that time uh, an obscure defenseman playing in the OHL I know. with the Barry Colts, Colts. apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was you. I know it was weird at the time. You just knew. You knew that one day T.J. Brody would uh, yeah. suit up for his hometown team and uh, be one of the, their best uh, for agent acquisitions. I don't know. I, I grew up a big Pat Borders fan, but guess what? I had no say in the naming of my children. It was basically yeah. my wife yeah. came up with the list yeah. of names, and I was like, I'll veto some if I really – like, I don't like blanket. That's not a good idea. But, yeah, I'll, uh, I want mm-hmm. something weird but not too weird. No, I, I could not have – named one of them Pat or Borders. If you're going after athletes, you got to look for the two first names, right? Assuming that yeah. you have the two kids. And now I'm wondering how many families have two boys named Michael and Jordan. Probably a lot. 
Yeah. And everyone uh, and everyone points out, hey, get it, get it, Michael Jordan. <laughs> hey, get it. Yeah, thanks, Michael man. Jordan. Thanks, and man. they always in that order whenever you call the two boys. Right. It's never Jordan, Michael. What? No, yep. they would be confused. They'd probably trip over themselves not understanding what was happening in their household. So yeah, man, um, that was a good one last night. That was one of the was more fun. entertaining games between. I think that was one of the best games for the Leafs all year where they faced some adversity, they faced a hot goalie. It had a real playoff vibe to it. Am I overreacting? No, that they faced an insane goalie last night. Like, yeah. honestly, that was like in the last, I mean, however many years, four or five years uh, in Toronto, was that not one of the best goaltending performances we've seen? I mean, how many breakaways did he stop? Did Hellebuck stop? Like, it just seemed like the, the, the puck was the size of a watermelon for him. And didn't matter who was firing it, everybody and good shots and clean shots and breakaways. Like, didn't he get like? I was shocked by the end. Like, I was surprised that the Leafs were able to tie that thing up and and win the thing in overtime, just because of how good Hellebuck was playing. Like, that was like an all-world performance last night. High danger yeah. shot attempts, eighteen to four for the Leafs. Was that what? That's the number eighteen. To eighteen to four. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, look, yeah, well, it looked like it, right? Like, that's okay. Yep. So there's the stat. And if you just watch the game, you go like, yeah, that's the Hellebuck show. Like, that's, I don't know. Like, I'm always go, I always go back and forth on this one. I remember having this conversation with Kelly Rudy once. And I was making some goofy point about, yeah, the team's not that good. And the goalie props them up. And if they didn't have him. And Kelly stopped me and said, you know, you're, you're allowed to have a good goalie on your team, right? Like, you're, you shouldn't have to apologize. He is a member of the team. Like, let's not forget yeah. here. It's good on Winnipeg. You know, I, I, I know their defense um, has, uh, has always raised question marks. But, man, when you have a good goalie, it, uh, it erases a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I watched Hellebuck take his or do his post game, his post Zoom yesterday. And yeah. I actually like listening to him speak. I think he's a, a like a thoughtful, articulate guy. But he, he is. He said it perfectly when he said, "I did my job tonight." Because <laughs> they asked him, "Hey, <laughs> hey," he just said, "I I did my job tonight." And I thought, "Hey, man, that's a good way of putting it. That he, you certainly did. No one's blaming you for that loss." He is a really thoughtful guy, and he's a really intelligent yeah. guy. The, the The one issue that that Hellebuck used to face is he used to always sort of get in his own way mentally. Mm-hmm. Would hang on to a bad game, hang on to a bad shift, hang on to a like anything happens in front of just couldn't let it go. And you guys know by you know talking with as many athletes as you do in different sports, one of the common traits amongst the elite is they can park a bad shift or they can park a bad game. Just like later, like those Tai Chi guys in the park just woo just goes by and forget about it, and then it's then it's gone. He would always hang on to it. I remember talking to someone in Winnipeg once, I'm like, what's your challenge with? Um, uh, with the goaltender, and he's like, "Man, we gotta, we gotta get him out of his own head. Like, it's it, you can actually think too much, especially as a goaltender, and you can outthink yourself." And Hellebuck was guilty of that. And it seemed as if once he got that massage and that corrected, all of a sudden we're talking, you know, consistent Vesna Trophy candidate. But what? Yeah, you're like, what a performance last night. That was spectacular. Now, the one thing that everyone will, everyone will point to is that Austin Matthews OT goal. Like everybody yeah. else. The minute that Matthews pulled that from his backhand to his forehand, I bit. Did you guys bite? The goalie certain, certainly did. Everyone in the world is thinking that guy's shooting. The minute he pulls it from backhand to forehand, he's shooting that thing, right? Yeah. I bit my lip, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did in the uh, the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game with Zach Aston Reese and Dylan Cousins. That's rude. It's, uh, I only want... Nice text messages about the Savers. <laughs> Every please. time, Ben, just, yeah. you know, anytime anything happens to Dylan Cousins, my default text right away is to JD. 
I love yeah. it. Right away. But right good away. ones, though. Not he's hurt ones. That's not the ones <laughs> I want. <laughs> you know? I don't want those ones. You can keep uh, those ones in your pocket. Yeah, you just, just send me, the, hey, uh, cool. Oh, he just uh, toe-dragged yeah. John Marino with the blue line. Yeah. Woo, what a play. Jeff, I knew, I knew it was bad, though, because uh, there's a couple people who text me when Dylan Cousins does things. Because there's some mm. people from Whitehorse who watch him all the time, obviously, right? Yeah. And I got to watch the Leafs and the Raptors were on last night. I, I don't get to watch as much as I wish I could. Although it's you weird because he plays on the Sabres. Yeah. You so don't need to. Like, Everyone is telling you what's happening with them. Exactly. Right? You're in a great but, spot. Yeah. But I knew it was bad when you sent me that. And, like, who says Zach Austin Reese? You know, like, at first, I thought it was one of two things. You were being really nice to me and trying to leak that that's who the Leafs were getting. And I thought, why? <laughs> you know, why? <laughs> why? Why would they do that? Or that it was something to do with Cousins. Either he whooped him or something bad happened. And I knew it was bad because it was just your text. And then I was waiting. I, I didn't even look up what was going on or text you back because I just wanted to wait a couple of seconds to see if I was going to get something else from one of my buddies from back home. Nothing. And then I had to do the search because I, I knew bad things were happening. I, I will cop to this one, JD. I was being a jerk. Mm. Yeah, you that because that you. was like just cheese in the trap. <laughs> yeah, because no yeah. context, nothing. Here's just like yeah. random Pittsburgh yeah. Penguin play. Like, why is Merrick texting yeah. me this? Like, what yeah. is? Merrick, I thought it was for you, Colby. I, I thought you were texting I got, Colby. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got the, I got, I got the Raptors to watch. I got the Leafs. To, why are you, yeah. why are you texting me the stupidity? So uh-huh. I listen. I, I knew what I was doing. I was being a jerk. So, yeah, it's okay. I forgive you because you came on the show today. Uh, you mentioned it, though. The the goalie is a part of the team, and it's why, yeah. to me, the Jets are the scariest opponent for the Leafs. They have guys who can be opportunistic, right? They've got a lot of talent in the top six, so if you make a mistake like Toronto did last night, they can take advantage of it. But they yeah. also have Connor Hellebuck, who can play that way, and that's terrifying. And it's why I was so impressed with Toronto, because, you know, you said it. Um it can it can be tough. It can be tough mentally on a team to try and overcome something like that when a goalie is locked in where he's making. There were I want to say four or five saves in that game that were breathtaking. Where you went, oh my god, just the way yeah. he was moving and the way he was playing, and for them to get that win and and to keep persevering, I, I was very impressed with them. I, I thought that that was actually a bit of a defining moment in the season. If we have check uh, points in this year, that is yeah. one of them for the Leafs that they can lean back on if they're in a tough spot in a playoff series. Yeah, the the one thing that we're not seeing from this team, and this is just you know part of the maturity of a of a young team, is uh, did you ever get a sense that they started panicking last night? Like I know the goalie is turning into you know the the this all he's like he's sort of summoned up the ghost of Terry Sawchuk, and all of a sudden he's put up this this board in front of the net, and nothing's getting through him. But there was never really any panic with the team. Like they didn't change anything; they just kept playing the way that they do nothing was rushed nothing was was forced like the Maple Leafs just kept like they just kept pouring it on and you know eventually that dam is is going to break there was no panic in that team uh last night and if this is a younger Maple Leafs team from a from a couple of seasons ago I think it's a wildly different outcome than last night I agree. Yeah, frustration is different than panic, I suppose, because they were definitely frustrated. Of and course, just ask William breaking, stick. yeah, breaking, yeah, breaking sticks and eyeballs to the to the to the roof, and oh yeah, of course you're going to be frustrated, but there wasn't ever a panic. Like, you know, you didn't see. And this is always the big tell when you start to see guys cutting solo albums. All of a sudden, it's like, ah, okay, I'm going to try to do this all myself. Like there was there was none of that. That's always one of the big tells, isn't it? 
when you have uh, a team that turns into just a bunch of, of single players. They just try to do everything themselves because they're they're frustrated and, and because they're panicking and they don't want to stick with something that's worked before and will eventually work again because you put a lot of you need a lot of trust in your teammates and you put a lot of faith in them. So you just try to do it all yourself. That is like the 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 one big sign that that a team is starting to panic, and you didn't see that last night from the Leafs. So after Toronto swept Edmonton, we no. started to do the whole well, the North Division's trash, and nobody here is good, and nobody can play. And then the Oilers went out and they've ripped <laughs> off three straight, and the Jets have really pushed the Leafs, and the Habs have been better and a little bit more consistent, I think, since they fired their coach. The Flames got a nice win last night. Do you think the Jets are the number one team that Leafs fans should be afraid of? Like, is that the matchup that you like the most for someone to upset them in a postseason series? So based Uh, on what you've seen so far. Looks like it right now. I want to see what teams look like after trade deadline, and then maybe it's a better time to to try to answer that question. Like, we'll see what the Oilers end up doing with their their net mining situation, because if they get that if they get that square, then all of a sudden they become maybe the most dangerous team. Uh, out of out of all of them, but right now, um, as we talk today, clearly Winnipeg's the the top threat if the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a team that you don't yeah. want to face because they can go firepower for firepower, and that's where you know a third line from the the, the Maple Leafs ends up. You know, uh, if you're going to win, you're going to win it based on a third line in the, in the playoffs. That's where the, I think the Maple Leafs will have the advantage because I look at the. I look at top six on these two teams and say it's kind of a wash, and maybe you give the advantage to the Winnipeg Jets, although the Toronto Maple Leafs have a lot of different players that do different things. Um, the Winnipeg Jets' top six is frightening. It's scary, and maybe the best player amongst all of them right now is someone that gets no headlines, and that's Nick Ehlers. Um, so I would have to say Winnipeg, but I'm, I'm still curious to see what Edmonton does with their with their goaltending come trade deadline time. So I'll, I, will reserve, I will reserve my answer. How about that? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I think it's the smart thing to do. Coward, I will cowardly, say, I know. I was cowardly. Say, it was yeah, pretty cowardly. It is. <laughs> Listen, whenever anybody <laughs> says it's the smart thing to do in this medium, you know that's what I'm saying. You can read between the lines. Like, no, that's the smart thing to do. That's what we say, too, with uh, the players where they go, hey, we got to get pucks in deep. Hey, it was smart of him not to uh, you know throw what? his teammates under the bus, but it was boring. Uh, it was you know pretty my, boring. You know, you know my favorite one is in, uh, in Sports Talk Radio Speak, when someone gives you two options and you say, well, it's probably a little bit of both. Well, thanks, uh-huh. guy. Like, no. Is that uncomfortable with that You know, spike yeah. right in between your cheeks there as you sit on that yeah. fence? Favorite move is asking the question back to the asker. I love that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Hang on. But, good. It's, it's, it's a great talk radio trick. When someone asks you a question you're not really sure of, here's uh-huh. what you spit back at them. Well, before I give you my answer, Ben, what do you think about it? <laughs> oh, that is <laughs> We should have gotten that tip. We should have been guys. sitting down with you for air checks. We should be getting our air checks from you. That's the way that this should be going from now on. Uh, the, the problem is that uh, Ben and I have such big egos when people do that move that Ben outlined where and they flip like, it back to us. You gave us the show away. Yeah. Thank you. Now we get to talk more. Blah, 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 blah. Especially me. Uh, that's definitely a me problem. So... Hellebuck was great last night. He was great sure in the game was. before that. Yeah. Everybody recognizes that he's dangerous, that he's scary, that he's right now public enemy number one for Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Of Yeah, he's the scariest guy. He's the boogeyman at this point, and especially if he extends it through Saturday and he continues to not look human. Freddie Anderson let in four goals in the first game. 
three goals in the next one. He's clearly not the better goalie, but no. this is a little bit more of a, a – this is a Jeff Merrick-specific question, okay? Why mm. is it that people feel more confident to crap on goalies than other players? Because there's no rational person that could look at Freddie Anderson play that first game against Winnipeg and think anything other than, okay, the other guy's better. That's fine. It doesn't mean you're bad. But Leafs fans right now, every time Freddie Anderson lets in a goal, it's a referendum on whether or not he can perform in a playoff game, whether he's even good. One show did a segment where they said Jack Campbell should start game one after they lost that first game to the Jets. Mm -hmm. It's wild the takes that are happening with the goaltender right now. But this is not something that's just specific to Toronto. I think people do feel as though they can evaluate that position differently. And I wonder what you think it is or if it's something that you've ever thought of. Uh, it, it, it It's unique in Toronto because normally Toronto fans will gobble up a defenseman. Like if you look historically, the one position, like most markets gobble up their goaltenders. You know, like the uh, the old joke has always been, you know, what are the two hardest jobs in Canada? One, prime minister. Two, starting netminder for any Canadian team. Because generally fans chew up the goalies here in this country, except for Toronto, where they always pick one defenseman. And this is a story that has been long told, and we can do all the Larry Murphy, Aki Berg, Corey Cross, like all of them go all the way through uh, history, and you see examples of this. Um, the Freddie Anderson issue with Maple Leafs fans, I think, has more to do with playoff failure, and they pin that on the goalie. Um, and there hasn't been that that steady run of stealing games or stealing a series um, that has established a reputation that the goalie can kind of surf on. Like, goalies still do surf on reputations, right? I mean, Carey Price, you know, still surfs on a reputation of excellence, and that might be the, the most obvious example. Although, you know, if you have a look at the way Carey Price has played in the last few years, you know, the evidence is, is kind of overwhelming. He'll have good stretches of a couple of weeks, and we saw that in the bubble, and we're seeing it in the last four games, but then there'll be other stretches where he's a sub-900, you know, netminder. So as it relates to Freddie Anderson, I, I think that because May the Maple Leafs and their fans haven't seen a long stretch where this guy's been like a 925 goaltender, He's been a good goalie. He hasn't been a great one. So you don't have that confidence, and it's the one position where you expect, still expecting the Maple Leafs to fall down, and it's the one position which is probably the most crucial because it can erase a lot of the good work that's being done by the defensemen and the forwards in front of them. So I, I think that just because we haven't seen a long stretch of elite, I'm not talking good, I'm talking elite performances from Freddie, that's, that's why this guy gets the... Uh, you know, gets uh, is, is treated the way that he is in this city. I would say eighteen nineteen was that uh, for Freddie Anderson, and yeah, there were long stretches there where we talked about him not just being in the top five in the Vesna conversation, but being maybe the Vesna front runner. And I would also say that I think a lot of Leaf fans have short memories and don't know, don't remember what it's like. You know, those Michael Hutchison starts and the idea of just filtering whoever you could into the backup goaltender role because you needed something better than the shooter tutor you were getting behind Freddie Anderson, this franchise has had those goalies in the past. And no, is Freddie Anderson Connor Hellebuck? No, and nobody's making the case that he is, and he makes $5 million bucks. There's no but, other goalie in the division you'd rather have, and that includes Markstrom. But man, let's, let's see what the next generation of Maple Leafs goaltending looks like, because you mentioned Edmonton. It can derail a generation of talent to have mm -hmm. 
below average goaltending and he's above average. I'm sorry that he's not winning a Vesna, but he's not getting paid 10 million bucks either. Oh, there's a lot there. Okay. Um, if you're going to, okay. So if you're going to do anything, have you, okay. Do you have in your mind a magical save percentage number? Nine, 10. No. Here's the nine, thing 10? I've come I to think with that's, save I think, percentage. I think, I think nine, 10 is low. I think nine, 10 is low. Go ahead, JD. I, I, I'm, I'm over it. I think that you look at five on five save percentage now. So and, mm-hmm. and that's what you do. Because I've come to realize something in the, about this Leafs team is their penalty kill stinks and nobody's talking about it. And yep. all season long, they haven't been able to kill penalties. And when they put Freddie Anderson in those positions, he struggles. But if you look at it over the course of this regular season, five on five, he's been solid. Like really, really good. Some of it has been that... The Leafs' blue line has been way better. The team defense is way better. The opponents are not that great. I was actually thinking about this today. That's kind of the one thing where you can look back on the division and the strength of schedule and say, uh, do we feel as confident about how good this team is defensively or the goaltending given the lack of talent up front with some of these teams? I, I don't know. But either way, if you look at five-on-five statistics, Freddie Anderson has been one of the best goalies in the NHL this year. Like, he's been a top-five goalie across everything, everywhere. And because he gives up some high-danger opportunities night in, night out on a power play, or when, you know, a guy like Nick Ehlers comes down and and picks a a corner and goes bar bar in, and people go, wow, why didn't Freddie have that one? You wish... Yeah, I just I have a really tough time drawing the line to this guy's not good enough when he's not making saves that basically we would agree would be leading, you know, Sportsnet Central for the next a month in the plays of the month if he makes a save like that. So I remember talking to one Maple Leafs coach. This is years ago. This is when Ed Belfour was the uh, was the goalie for the Maple Leafs, and um, Eddie Belfour would go to all the special teams meetings, specifically penalty kill, and it was quite vocal. And I remember talking to one of the coaches, and I said, "What is, what does Belfour say in penalty kill meetings?" And he says, "You know, before the game, when we're doing penalty kill, going over what we're going to do tonight, he always says the exact same thing to everybody." He said, "There's one player." on the ice that I need you to eliminate. He said, as long as you can guarantee me that this one player is not going to shoot, I can handle the other four. I can handle the other four. I'll take care of all that. I just need to know in my mind that that guy's not going to shoot. And that's how they would structure their penalty kill. Making sure that Belfour was comfortable enough to know that he didn't need to worry about one shooter specifically just worry about the other four i'm not sure how the maple leafs do it now um, but just hearing you talk about how you insulate your goaltender in the uh in, in the penalty kill the bell four one always stuck out to me and if you go back and, and you watch the the way eddie played and uh, when the uh, the maple leafs were killing penalties it's pretty obvious that he will ignore the big shooter because it's all built around making sure that guy doesn't shoot and Eddie will take care of the other ones Are you muted, JD? So to speak. Oh, oh no, you're just. I'm muted. also not trying to say that he's exempt. Okay, he's oh, really delayed. Uh, he's going to re- reconnect. Um, Jeff, I want to get to this because Gary no Bettman problem. spoke yesterday, and yep. man, it seemed pretty explicit. Uh, I was hoping that there would be a little bit more of a wide berth when he talked about the divisional alignment this season and the possibility of it existing beyond this weirdo year, and it doesn't seem that way because here's the quote i think our traditional alignment makes more sense and is more widely accepted so that's it it's it's the north division this year we get it one year and maybe not a canadian hockey fan gets to see it in person 
kind of makes me hopeful that people will push harder to get fans into these buildings if we get more you know our needles in arms uh as we go forward into the spring but Mm -hmm. what was your reaction to to hearing that were you disappointed were you surprised wasn't surprised the 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 nhl sort of been consistent about this one the north division is this you know necessary experiment uh that they're going through like at the end of it seattle's coming in and they have to go to the pacific and arizona's moving to the central and the way that they want is they want four divisions with an equal amount of teams that's what the nhl wants and that's what the players association wants so i wasn't surprised the thing that's that that does the thing that does cause you pause if you're the nhl is i think you look at the north division and you say to yourself what would because now we're all talking about the espn deal what would the next canadian television deal look like if you could guarantee your primary broadcaster that you would get a canadian team in the final four how much is that worth to you as a broadcaster apparently not enough well, it, it's 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 a it's a lot, but the the problem is that you have Seattle coming in and they want even divisions. Yeah, so I, I I wasn't I wasn't surprised by it. The NHL has been consistent with it, you know, the entire time. There's going to be more divisional play. There's going to be you know there will be more you know multiple games per city stop uh, for all these teams. But yeah, the the Canadian the Canadian division is is just a necessary experiment this for this one season. Yeah, I think it's a huge mistake for the NHL to go back as to business as usual because here's the thing, business as usual wasn't going so hot. And especially in this country, and I'm sure you've noticed this as well, which is, hey, um, hockey in this country, uh, at least in this city, it's not as national, it's not the National Hockey League, it's the local team hockey league. You but care that, about what everywhere. your team... That's everywhere. That's, that's everywhere. what I mean. It's a regional sport. It is much closer to baseball than I think we realized when Sportsnet signed that TV deal. When Sportsnet signed that big TV deal, got the national rights, it was, this is the National Hockey League. Everybody in this country cares about all the games. Leaf fans are going to want to watch the Flames. They're going to want to watch Connor McDavid now. All of that. It's not the case. You want to watch your team. There's way too much competition for content now. And people are not going to stay up, you know, and watch hockey for six hours in a row in this country. Unless maybe it's at Hockey Night in Canada and you're getting the back-to-back matchup. That's perfect. And if the NHL overlooks this season and basically catering, this isn't just a Canadian thing. It's also an American thing where it probably works out a little bit better, I'm guessing, if you start pulling people down in Pittsburgh, that they get these matchups. And everyone understands that if you keep these divisions you're still playing the other teams like it's not as though the north division is just playing teams from canada now you balance out the schedule if you're trying to figure out ways where you do more home uh like back-to-backs at home then you kind of mitigate some of the travel stuff i just i i'm having I, gary bettman knows better than me i guess and the nhl knows better than me i guess but i okay, will say that me, this l- makes no sense to me yeah okay, go ahead let me let me ask you this question then yeah you can do it and have the eight equals, but do you put Seattle in the Canadian division? Yes. You because you want to foster in this, in this Vancouver. Division. Yeah. 
You put Seattle in the Canadian division because you want to foster the rivalry between Vancouver and Seattle. Plus, if there's a city where you go to it and it reminds you the most of Canada, it's Seattle. Like, if we did a a swap in Canada and the States where we said, (laughs) okay, we're going to trade a city for a city. Where? How are we going to do this? Uh, Toronto would be the city that the States would pick because it resembles the America by far the most. There's nothing even close. And if and if we Canadians were drafting a city that had to just seamlessly fit with our country, we would take Seattle. Or like or sorry, a state we would take Washington, but the city we would take Seattle and it would be a no brainer. So I, I actually think it fits. And in fact, uh, I think that Seattle is probably so left leaning, they would welcome this. They would be <laughs> thrilled to be a part of Canada. And it's already it's not the Canadian division, it's the North Division. You don't have to change yeah. the name. Okay, yeah. so we're, yeah. anne- we're annexing Seattle here. We're carving yeah. it off and we're making it a part of Canada all of a sudden. It's so really we have, close. We have, we have one division that we're, we're carving off horizontally and all three other divisions we're carving off vertically. Mm-hmm. But again, do everybody plays everybody issue? else. Do, do, you, do you guys not see an issue with time zones here at all? No, because here's, here's the other part of it. Number one... Whatever time the Leafs are playing is the time hockey is on, all right? Like, they're the drivers of the bus. <laughs> so you go out to Vancouver, guess what? It's get, get ready. It's 8 o'clock start time, all right? No more of the – what happened the other night? There was an 11 o'clock know, hockey game, wild. and there wasn't was uh, riots wild. in the street. There that was, That is uh, the most – you got oh. you to gotta protect the national TV window. Come on, buddy. Illegal. Illegal. <laughs> if, if I'm commissioner tomorrow, I'm issuing an apology that this happened. We don't know how it happened. We're launching a full-scale investigation <laughs> into how something like this came about. Could oh, I, 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 It's offensive to me. It truly is offensive. offensive. 11 o'clock. Yes, 11 o'clock. <laughs> dropping the puck. That's ridiculous. Well, we had an 8 o'clock start with the Edmonton Ottawa game, so yeah. they're protecting the national window. That's no. all they're yeah. doing. This is standard. No fair you know how tv no. works no no <laughs> ask yourself this would the nfl do it no so no then it's off the table 11 o'clock hockey games my word no hey, i, I, was, I think hey, listen, that i was i was me and elliot were the ones that had to stick around to do it come I, on what'd you care you're all yeah. cuddled up in your uh in your in your jammies and your uh yeah. your, your dylan cousins jersey and <laughs> that's right i was off to nappy nap time when the game was over that's what is annoying to me. Here's the thing about why I do this job is I like sports. I want to watch them. Put them in time zones where I can watch the sports. I didn't get into this because I thought, you know what would be fun? Getting paid very little to do a ton of work all the time. That would be awesome. Uh, so I, I hated that start time. But either way, when it comes to the uh, schedule stuff, I just think that yeah. one of – we did a whole show yesterday about ripple effects of the pandemic and things that have come out of this that have been net positives, things that we can't go back to. And I think one of the positives is we've realized that schedules for 82-game seasons, both in the NBA and NHL, were super onerous on the players and that getting on those planes and going on back-to-backs, it was really, really tough. And that, you know what? There is an appetite. If you say to Toronto Maple Leafs fans, hey, there's going to be two games against Calgary and you're going to have them both in the city – there's not going to be Leafs fans who go, but we don't want a second game against the Flames back-to-back. What are we doing yep. here? No. You think that they don't want that over all – what, more Florida Panthers games? Like where it's just basically the families of the Florida Panthers players trying to buy tickets? to say, No, it's ludicrous. It's fine. You play the two games in a city basically every single time whenever you travel to one coast or the other. They've yeah. done this before where they schedule West Coast road trips. I, I don't think it's – as prohibitive as we want to make it seem like travel's great we can make this we can accommodate this i think 
maybe I'm making too light of it, but I, I don't think it's as big of a hurdle as the NHL would like us to believe. I, I do think that that is going to happen in the next in, in, moving forward here now. Right, like there, happen there, anyway. you, you, yeah, you will you will play multiple games when you hit a city. It's no longer like, oh, we're going to Jersey for a quick shot. Then the next day we're going to be in Philadelphia, and then we're going to go down to Florida for one. Like those, I, I think those days, those days are done. Mm. I think you're in there, you're playing too, and a lot of it is like at the end of all of this, like the NHL has a lot of money to make up here. You know, the players are yeah. going to be on the hook for one billion dollars, right? Because they've 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 capped their escrow right now, so it's not going to be the vets that are aging out of the NHL. It's going to be the kids that are picking up this tab. Thank you very much, but it's going to be about a billion dollars. That's why you look at whether it's TV deals or recouping money on, uh, you know, with with stickers on helmets. You know, none of that's going to do anything for escrow. None of that's going to do anything for players, and that's going to do anything for the salary cap. That's just recouping money. So you're going to look for uh, non-traditional revenue, things you haven't, you know, been able to to uh, to get into NHL coffers right now. And you're also looking to cut costs. And one of the easiest ways to do so is work with the schedule and make sure that when you're going, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, when you're going to, you know, Dallas, you're not playing one game, you're playing two. I think that's going to be true for every team. Well, all I'm left with is, you know, there was a moment there I thought the NHL did love you, Canada. No, it was mm-hmm. just, you know, it was just a little tryst. No, you know, you everyone of piece, my friends just, we're all discussing it's, how you know what it's it like? sucks not watching Panthers hockey. It's yeah. like, it's like, yeah, but you're, listen, you're missing out on watching some really, uh, honestly, you're not seeing yes. Tampa this year. Sure. You're not seeing uh, but Boston will he will? Like some really good teams. No, you're not going to face both. Even if the Maple Leafs make it into the uh, into the final four, you're probably only going to face one of those teams. Like for every Florida Panthers, there's a Tampa Bay Lightning. Still, like for every Detroit Red Wings, there's a Boston Bruins. Like you're still missing out on watching some really good hockey. Like I don't know but about I'll get you, it but, next year. but Minnesota looks really good this year. I'd love yeah. to see Minnesota play in Toronto. They look really good this year. They're fun. <laughs> They're a flat-out fun team to watch. No one talks about them. No one's saying anything about them. Yeah. No, you did. You talked. By the way, every time, you know every, every, watched, time, every time Minnesota and Vegas are getting together, watch that game. It's it, that might be the best matchup in the NHL this year. Yeah, uh, I'm watching hockey south of the border when the following things happen: when <laughs> there's no Toronto sports on TV that night, so I yep. get to pick and choose whatever I am watching. When yeah. they play uh, in Lake Tahoe, and it's the most beautiful thing I've ever yeah. seen in my entire oh, life, and I too. sit there in tears. Said, no uh, more that's that. done too. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Hey, no. And, Why would and, you want to do beautiful and, things? And you've already sorted out your inspire. sock drawer, and you're still awake. Yeah. And or oh no, I was gonna say or um, the games start early in the day, and I get one of those. Oh, yeah. hockey's on already. Yeah, oh wow, cool. there's a six o'clock hockey game. That's what I like. Give me more of those. I love. Give me the odd American game that starts early every single yeah. day. That that does for it a, for me. That yeah, sexy for a, for, that, for, a, for, a, for a day drinking game. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's what you want? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, every single day. <laughs> There's nothing better than Hockey Day in Canada where they just go, we're going to roll these games oh, out in a perfect um, – yes, thank you. Do yeah, more of good. that. What's I the pushback? Agree. Just do it. Yep. Yeah, for people who uh, yeah, uh, are done work at noon, it uh, is great, uh, especially on weekday. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jeffrey, <laughs> Gentlemen. thank you as always. Talk to you soon. No problem. Minnesota, Vegas, watch those games. Here's your hipster tip for the week. Love it. Okay. Wear your horn rim glasses. Uh, Jeff Merrick 
Hockey Central. Yeah, man, let's get some people into these buildings before the end of the regular season because this is a one-off historic moment in the history of Canadian hockey. So let's get people in there. I don't know, in May. 